What's up? Welcome to another edition of the best women's boxing show, period. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Cynthia Conte. My co-host will be here very shortly, but you know what? Southwest, you did this to me yesterday. I was sitting on a tarmac. I get it, the winds. I get it, the tumultuous winds. I get it. But she will be joining us. Uh, and we usually do a run it back, but I'm gonna actually do a run it back with our special guest here on the Brown Table Talk today. You guys know him. I mean, a lot of people know him. Somewhat, some people may not know him, but he's legendary and a world renowned trainer. I know you like that. <laughs> Mr. Steven Breadman Edwards! How you doing? Woo! Usually me and John are like, woo! <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, you know, we were we were super, super, super excited. I kept telling actually, Jay, you need to get him. You need to talk to him. You need to talk to this new trainer that it, well, he's not a new trainer. He is the new trainer for Caleb Plant, which we're going to get into. But there's so much we got to get into. Uh, first off, before anything else, did you watch the Super Bowl yesterday? Yes, I did. Okay, I know. Besides boxing, you are a huge sports fan. Uh, what did you think? Did you have a Did you have a dog in this game? Well, I'm from Philadelphia, so of course I did. Okay, some some Philly. I saw a lot of Philly did not even root for their own team. So I'm not saying that you weren't, but I'm just curious. Um, did you know, Philadelphia is a weird place. <laughs> we got like a lot of Cowboys fans. And See, I never seen nothing like it. Like them guys, date. But, you know, for the most part, most of the people uh, ride with the Philly sports teams. And um, that was a tough one. Okay. Tough I did not have a dog in this fight, but I did. I was rooting for the Eagles. I really was. Because you, you were interviewing me or you just. No, I swear. Uh, I, oh. I, I didn't even put two and two together. I, okay. You know, I'm a Pats fan through and through. Okay. And so I still cheer. I still cheered for Tom Brady when he left our asses for freaking Tampa Bay. But when I saw it, I, you know, it was a really, really competitive game up until that call. I, I, I mean, don't choose sides. Just as a fan and maybe as a ref, did you think that was a holding call? All right. <laughs> See, it's more than just black and white, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I think that once you establish what kind of game is going to be once mm -hmm. the refs like okay this is going to be a physical game we're going to let certain things go then i think you can't go back on that so technically it probably was a holding he did tug his jersey but i don't think it had an effect on the play he overthrew the ball but they were letting a lot of stuff go in that type of game and then now you wait to the last drive 35 to 35 and then you call the play so it's almost like you know um it's a little deceptive because they were letting bigger plays than that go the whole game. Oh, yeah. So uh, from that aspect, it was definitely, you know, I think it was a little disingenuous. But, you know, as a competitive person and, you know, trainer, you know, whatever I've done in my background, you can't, like, there's Eagles still should have won. It's things that they still could have done to win the game. So you got to, like, you know, you got to take your losses like you take your wins and just, you know, get better. It's tough, but that's just how it is, you know. Um, but I was crushed. Uh, my son is a big, big, oh. big um, uh, Jalen Hurts fan, A.J. Brown, and he's 10. He just was just like, Dad, Aww. they cheated. And I'm just <laughs> oh, like, no. you know, man, it's, it's a tough one. You know, Philadelphia's a passionate sports town, and uh, they was riding hard with that team, and it's like, it's still – like it's still shocking like they did so well throughout the entire season That's i was at the why. airport this morning like i went home to watch the super bowl with my kids mm -hmm. and i came back this morning early in the morning because i get i get in like 10 o'clock so we can train so at the airport it was like it's like somebody died like people were just walking around with it still, it was man that was a rough one that was a rough loss. It came down really to who had the ball last. Cause yes. Jalen Hurts played a great game. If he would have had the ball last, they would have went down and scored. Yeah. It, it, that was that one penalty that was a game-defining penalty. Yep. And I said, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. When they when they did that penalty, I'm like, that's the penalty that's going to hurt the game. And it was such a tight game. And, of course, they're not going to they're not gonna sneak in the ball and make a get a touchdown because they're going to try to run the clock down. But, I was I was hurt for you guys. I really was writing for the Eagles, and I'm not even an Eagles fan, so I was, you know, I felt your guys' pain, but um, there's always next year. 
part of the game. It's not, it's, listen, you know, you got to be able to, as you get older, you just get, you learn acceptance. Literally, like, it's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You can't go back in the time machine. You just got to just get better and move on. It's nothing, as much as it hurts, it's weird because in boxing, I remember the fights that my guys lost better than I do the fights that they won. Mm-hmm. The losses hurt worse than, gonna, the, yeah, than the wins feel good. I was going to say, I, I, it, it stings it, more. It sting, it stick with you. You know, um, I've been a professional trainer 13 years, and I can remember every loss, and it stick, it stick with you. You know, um, it's just, it, it just does. So, and, and, and you just learn, there's nothing you can do about it. You just mm-hmm. got to just move on. You know, like, you're going to do jump off a bridge. You got to be able to accept it and move on. Well, and keep, some keep people it. can't. They, they they don't have that mental fortitude. Stick around and you do things long enough at a high enough level. Mm-hmm. You're going to take some losses. Absolutely. You have to. You you're have gonna, to. If you're not taking some, losses, take some losses. You, th- then it, it, it's not going to build your character. That's, that's a fantasy world to think that you can't ever lose at anything. That's, mm-hmm. just, that's just not reality. You are going to take some losses. You may not take a lot, you know, depending on how good you are. But you're going to take a couple of losses in mm-hmm. life. Just because you can find a couple exceptions, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's the reality. Like, you you will take losses. So I feel bad for my son, man. He was, like, sad, sad. And I was just like, man, you know. This is what part, it is. It's part yeah. of the game. You know, sometimes y'all losing basketball and football. And it's just tough, man. But it stung. I definitely felt it. Um, but it's life. You just move on. You know what the worst part about it was? I know I'm going to probably get shit from it. Patrick Mahomes' brother. (laughs) That's the one thing I did not want to see is him. He even got in Patrick's uh, live shot doing this stupid TikTok dance. I'm like, dude, this is not your win. This is your brother's win. Stop taking the blame. And I I just... ah. I don't don't watch stuff like that. No, it wasn't even on TikTok. It was live when they were interviewing uh, Patrick. I'm like, dude. I didn't even see that. Oh, I saw that. I was like, you know what? You piece of... Entourages and stuff can be a little aggravating, mm-hmm. but I try not to, you know, get in the mm-hmm. middle of that. Well, you know what? Uh, so we're moving on from football because I know there was a big fight, and I know you are a boxing man through and through. I saw you live tweeting. I didn't get to watch the fight live, but I did end up watching it before the show. Oshaki Foster or Vargas versus Oshaki Foster. A lot of people. So Giander and I, we always do a kind of prediction. No, well, not really predictions, but like, who do we think? And uh, I remember Shakur Stevenson said he will take over the division of Shaki Foster once he vacates or once Shakur vacates, Oshaki Foster will take over the division and then Keyshawn Davis. Uh, We've only seen Ray Vargas like we because we've seen him. He's a he's a titleist over and over. He was looking to become another title winner in another division. We've known him to be a very awkward fighter. Awkward fighter, very rangy. Uh, Ray Vargas had the height, but Oshaki had the reach. We saw what happened. Ray Vargas said, "You had leg. The man had legs. Blah blah blah. He ran. I always call it. If he's running, maybe he's because he's boxing his your balls off. That's what I'm assuming. I'm not sure. Uh, people said, please do not rob Foster, and they didn't." That's that's what I said. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that, mm-hmm. and and you you never know these judges these days. I'm just saying we've seen some really interesting cards from the judges that I'm like, what are they? What what fight are they watching, or do they have glasses? Did you think this was a fifty fifty fight? I thought he would win. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I did. I could show you the text. <laughs> uh, uh, a guy I know, um, he does a. Um, we got like a little website and he um you know he takes a lot of my uh pics and stuff like that which website and um let me um see hold up boxingbet.com look look let's see it when he had texted me i had told him i thought foster would win the fight early because i just you know sometimes you could just see stuff in and guys and uh, Foster, um, he has a couple of losses, and a lot of times people dismiss guys with losses. Mm-hmm. But some of those guys with a couple of losses, all it really means is that they haven't had the privileged matchmaking that other guys have, where they get to take fights all the time that they know that they're going to win. 
you know that's all that means but real recognize real people inside boxing circles they know that guys like Oshaki Foster can fight you know what I mean there's another kid out here named Kenneth Sims they got a couple losses but he can fight I train a kid like that named Karan Davis that mm -hmm. can fight the kid Zach Ochoa that I trained they got a couple of losses but anybody just can't beat them when you got a couple of losses, the promoters treat you a little different. They don't give you time to train. You got to take fights a little bit out your weight range. But for this fight, Oshaki Foster, you know, he had time to train. He got a good trainer and a uh, guy, Bobby Benton, mm -hmm. the same trainer that Regis Pagreas have. And the, the playing field was level. And I just felt that he would edge the fight. Uh, it was a good performance, and I'm glad the judges got it right. Yeah, uh, Foster was able to land some jabs. Uh, Vargas had more of the power the the power shots, but Oshaki just kept. He was so relentless. He got him in the eighth round, I, uh, and it was just like a barrage of punches. And Vargas did not know where they were coming from. And I would just watch the replays. I would watch the highlights. I would watch the fight, and I'm like, wow. I I was pleasantly surprised because you know what? I love it when people upset the apple apple cart because just because one person always wins, uh, they always think they're gonna take that you know take that next division, the next belt. And Regis said this this kid. And Shakur, I'm thinking, okay, they know something that I don't know. All the hard work is done in training, in and, sparring. And, and that's what people don't get. Like, there's guys out here that don't have the big names and they don't have the big promotional backings and they're not getting the machine behind them. But they in the gym and people who know, know that they can fight, mm -hmm. you know, and he's just one of those guys. And he's more athletic than Ray Vargas is, too. He's like, he's yeah. like a lot more athletic, you know. <laughs> so he keeps saying, he, he, he ran, bro, you don't know how to cut the ring off. Exactly. You That's know, what he, it is. You know, he, he, he wasn't running. He was boxing. Uh, he did a good job. I'm happy for the kid because, yeah, um... People say belts don't matter, but that's just not true. Yeah, your, your pay grade changes. Thank you. If you see a boxing contract, you get more money for defending the belt than you do for fighting for the title. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, you got the whole public that thinks they know everything about boxing and they don't know shit <laughs> about boxing. And they say stupid stuff like belts don't matter. I'm looking at boxing contracts. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if somebody told you you would make four times more money than you ever made if you win a belt than before you got a belt? Damn. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. It's life-changing money. It's yes. for your family. So when people say that, I'm just like, you guys are just so misinformed and ignorant. Belts might not matter to a guy like Floyd Mayweather that's the top of the food chains making a hundred million, two hundred million dollars a fight. But for everybody else, you know, you might go from fifty thousand dollars when you fight for the title, a hundred, to defending the title, depending on your contract. I've seen everything from I had a kid with a contract with two million dollars of title defense. Wow, that's big. So when the people say it, I'm like, you don't you don't know why those guys cry when they hear and the new. It's your whole life's work yeah. into that. And on top of that, your 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 quality of life changes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So your legacy changes right man, there. I'm, you create it. I'm happy for the kid, man. He he started out ten and two. He took some tough L's. He kept plugging away. And he beat a legitimate guy, 36 and no. I, I hope that he keeps that title for as long as he can. I don't know him. I've never met him, but I just that's just that's good to see, man. I I, I like to see that for anybody, man. Usyk versus Fury. Is this fight going to happen? <laughs> now um, it's not allegedly in Saudi. It's going to be in the UK with Fury possibly getting the higher split when he has less belts. Um. You know, like one thing I don't do is I like like speak in absolute terms. Like I know something. Like, <laughs> like you know, sometimes people ego get the better of them in boxing and be like, I got inside information. No, you don't, bro. You just got your own opinion. <laughs> exactly. That's happen. a lot of people on and, Twitter. <laughs> and you be and they be lying. Um, so I don't. I'm not a fake person like that. I don't really know if the fight is going to happen or not. I think it's a great fight. Both of them is great fight. Okay, let's break down this fight because uh, they're both boxers, but one is obviously much bigger. He imposes his will. He'll, he will impose his size on him. Usyk is 
a lot smaller. He is back in the gym. Uh, he He's not the size of Fury, but he has legs. He has feet. He can move. He can dance. He's a great dance partner. He can stick and move. I don't think he can knock out Tyson. I'm not. Uh, he don't have to knock him out, Cynthia. That I know. He can All outbox him. All he got to seven rounds. Yeah, that is true. That is it. true. People say that, and I don't mean to correct you, but he don't have to knock him out. He yeah. can knock Anthony Joshua. He just beat him. Yeah. He don't have to knock him out. Yeah. You know, people confuse that. You don't have to knock a guy out to win the fight. Yeah, you can just outbox him, but can can Usyk outbox Fury or can Fury outbox Usyk? Um, you know what? Both of those guys is the kind of guys is they like they like money fighters. What I mean by that is they are as good as they need to be on that particular night. Mm. They got the ability to keep raising their game up and be better and better and better and better. So Usyk you don't win a gold medal by mistake. You don't stay undefeated all this time by mistake. He's just a winner. That stuff about him being too small, I would rather be his size than any other size as a heavyweight. Because a lot of times, Tyson Fury might be the exception as far as his size, what I'm about to say. But a lot of times, those guys get too big and they get lazy. As big as you... The, the bigger you are, the more your body has to um, supply that oxygen, mm -hmm. you know, to all those muscles. You get tired. You ever see like a big muscle bound guy? Gets yeah, tired. they're tired. There's some the muscles have, that He don't have cardio. Him. So, um, and then you, you, you're not as coordinated as, um, as the guys that are smaller. So I've always believed 6'3", between 6'2 and 6'4", you know, 220, 230 pounds is all you really need. You don't need to be that big to be a good heavyweight. So the size stuff, as you can see with Usyk, hasn't made a difference, has it? No. I, know, um, I believe he'll be undisputed, I, like completely undisputed. People um, get so mad at me about I, that. I, I really, this is going to sound like the politically correct answer, but I think they have to fight. I think that Usyk is one of those special, special kind of guys. And I think Fury's special, too. Because the shots he take from Wilder, it's just weird. Like, like as is, is, is much as Wilder can hurt him and he's knocked him down four times, he cannot stop that man. Yeah. He, it's <laughs> he like, came it's, back from the dead. It's like Fury. I was there in L.A. when yeah, you got up. it was insane. I'm like, God damn. He's just a different kind of. Both of them have that weird kind of way where they're just as good as they need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, Fury talks more. He's a little bit more outgoing with his personality. But Usyk's one of them dudes too. Yeah, he he's just he's just a little quiet. You know, he don't he don't say as much. But he's a killer. Yeah, you know what I mean. He ain't he he one of them dudes. So I think that they got to fight. I don't just assume because Fury's bigger he can beat him. Mm -hmm. That man that man is special. Yeah, he he's went from what three hundred pounds when he he lost the belt. Mental health issues for a man to come back and co beat. And Wilder in the the way he did it, and he's still able to be as fast as he can, as on as big as he is. See, let me tell you something funny. People don't like the rate Deontay Wilder. They say like he can't do this, he can't do that. He's a very difficult man to fight. Yes, I'm telling you. And you know who knows that? Tyson Fury. You ever see how complimentary he talk to him? Mm -hmm. He know. You don't want to fight that wild, crazy guy throwing them hard, wicked punches like that. For whatever flaws that Deontay Wilder may have, he's not easy to fight. Yeah. That man can punch. Mm -hmm. he, he's also crazy. He never stops trying. He got a lot of determination. He carries his punch into the later rounds. He's very, even though he might be flawed, he's a very difficult person to fight. And for Fury to fight him three times, I'm like, Jesus. Like, you got to be nuts to want to fight a puncher like that that many mm -hmm. times. And when they fight, Fury's the puncher. Even <laughs> right. though Fury's not, like, known as a big puncher like that, he's the puncher when they fight. So I think Usyk and Fury, both special fighters, I think that those kind of guys, they raise their game up to be as good as they need to be. And I think that they have to fight for us to decide it. I, I just don't assume because Fury is bigger that he can beat Usyk. I think Usyk is like he made it a special, special cloth. You know, um, I hope this dispels the myth that guys like Holyfield and Ali couldn't hang in this era. It's just ridiculous. Usyk is top two heavyweights in this era, and he's only 6'3", 220. It's just ridiculous that people would actually think that. So I hope that dispels that myth. 
but I would love to see the fight, but I don't have no inside information. <laughs> No know, one ever tells it's, us. <laughs> it's not. No, I'm being honest. Like, it's not really, it's not completely up to the boxers at that level because there's so many people that have invested in their careers from a network and management and promotional standpoint is those people, you know, as they say, bosses eat last. Mm-hmm. So they got to eat mm-hmm. on a fight like this. When you cutting up $150, $200 million, all of those businessmen who have, um, a dog in the race in this that deal has to be good for them too so you know that's why i don't like to speak on stuff like that because people act like they know but at a certain level this is not just two guys splitting two million dollars from showtime yeah you know that's a that's a simple deal to make that's easy but this, this one is, is international money mm-hmm. this is gate receipts this is sponsorships this is um pay-per-views international pay-per-views u.s pay-per-views this is a lot that's a lot of money so everybody has to find a way to eat on on a fight like this and a lot of times when you see them held up it's because one of the sides is not seeing all of the money that they think that they need to see so it's a little different so you gotta be patient with them and if you're not sitting in those rooms like me and you sitting in this room (laughs) you really don't know you just really just assuming but from both of their personalities those dudes ain't ducking no work Absolutely. They, they want to work. Yeah, they they, they want to feed their families. They ain't, they ain't them kind. Of, well, they bring on the point. They can feed their families. Well, their they families can feed their can. families and but, and then some, but they adding you, to their legacy. You, you just know certain guys' personalities without saying them, and certain guys, you know, don't want to take fights. And Usyk and Fury, they not them kind of guys. They'll they want fight. all the smoke. Yeah, they'll fight. Yeah. Fury's a complete lunatic. He'll fight. Usyk is quiet. He's but, a lunatic in his you, own right. you see his eyes? He's, wow, he's like one of those. Got like, them weird yeah. eyes, man. Dude, them dudes will fight. They don't really. He has that psychotic, yeah, demented smile. He, he, he just don't, I love he just it. don't say much. Yeah. He don't say much. You know, and you probably think he a punk or something like that because he don't really talk. He got the weird haircut. He a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a killer too, man. You know what I mean? Them, he don't care about fighting that man. He don't care. He'll fight him. You know what I mean? So I don't believe it's either one of them, but they got teams around them, and yeah. everybody got to figure that money out. Do you think Anthony Joshua is able to come back then since he's now with Derek James? Uh, it's one of those things that— uh, I just saw Derek James. We had him on our show. Did you know he used to be a fashion designer? No, I didn't. Yeah, that was like— You know, you know how I know <laughs> Derek? So uh, because uh, when he was training Earl, mm-hmm. well, I mean, he still does train Earl. But, like, a lot of the guys from the PBC, the coaches, if you're yeah. fighting on the same car, you just kind of, like, build a relationship over the years. You see each other at the weigh-ins and at the lobbies and things like that. Derek is my guy. I just seen him um January at the Tank Davis under uh, on, I, the, I, the, Garcia, I yeah. on the car. Yeah, out in D.C. And we talked for a minute. Um, but shout out to Derek James, man. I'm, um, I happy, love him. He's I'm so happy good. for you, brother. That's a, that's a, that's a big-time job. Uh, I think he's going to do, do great. Um, I, I, I get happy for guys when they – you know, um, a six-figure or a seven-figure night as a trainer, that's that's some good money, man. And um, but but even though it is a six, seven-figure job, it's a lot. It's a big. It's it's that's weight on your shoulders because if uh, hypothetically, if Joshua doesn't perform to the best of his standards, they usually not they. I'm not gonna say Anthony will blame whoever, but everyone will say so and so was not the right fit. You know it is always thing? based off the trainers. It's like you, you know guys what, get the Cynthia? shit end of the stick. Am I correct? Am I right? I'm just. Uh. You, you know what? You're right, but guess what? Yeah. As a man, you got to be able to stand on that. Yeah. Derek can take that. He can take that. He had fighters that lose before. Yeah. Person. It ain't no big deal. As a man, you got to stay on that. We're not miracle workers. Exactly. We're trainers. You know what I mean? Like, as a trainer, you signing up to be financial advisor, a counselor, a psychiatrist. <laughs> A, a surrogate father everything uncle, you sign up to be a lot of things for these kids and in an eight week or ten week camp or whatever you can't always fix everything you just do the best you can do and um there's strong enough guy mentally to be able to take that if joshua is not great up under him he can take that like mm-hmm. he, he gonna he gonna be able to walk around with his head up high and, I, and at the end of the day you say i did i did my best yeah like with like, robert um, garcia he said the yeah. same thing and, and, I, and garcia, I don't we, I, no, a lot of people i know do not blame robert garcia it just was not the right fit <laughs> let me just tell you this it wasn't no 
wasn't Robert Garcia's fault. Nope. He's a great trainer. Mm-hmm. Jonathan E. Joshua did good that fight. Yeah, he did he better did. in the second fight than he did in the first fight. You got to judge a trainer by the performance, not just the win or loss. Some of the best performances I've had out of my guys, we didn't win the fight. Like, Robert Garcia don't have nothing to hold his head down about. Yeah. He did great. Anthony Joshua almost won that fight. He just don't have the stamina that that guy have in the later rounds because he's lugging around more weight. They always said, you know, but muscles don't win fights. Is he too muscular? I can't say if he's too muscular or not because I don't know him and I don't know his like genetics. Some people just genetically like like a lot of black dudes. Just uh, you cut. guys are born like super yeah, buff. Okay, like that's just be, what it they is. Just be cut up. Like 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 my dad was like six three, hundred ninety pounds. I don't know if how much he worked out. I mean, he passed away, but like, like, like you just sometimes genetically, you just could be just all cut up. Mm-hmm. Like my kids are r- real cut up. So <laughs> I don't know Anthony Joshua. He may or may not be. He, he, he does look a little overly muscled, but I don't know what he does. But that fight 100% wasn't Robert Garcia's fault. I could remember Robert Garcia fought, had um, Marcos Maidana. Marcos Maidana fought Floyd Mayweather as good as anybody ever fought him. Uh-huh. He gave him trouble. Shit, trouble. Shit. Uh, that, that first people fight. People said was, everyone's was tight, like, right? yeah. People were saying so, Marcos won that, but I was so like, oh. it was close. Close. You you didn't expect that from him, and he beat Adrian Broner, right? So, so like, Robert Garcia lost those two fights with Floyd Mayweather. He did great. You know what I mean? Like the level of guy that he had fought better than anybody expected him to fight against the best fighter of this era. Mm-hmm. So that's all you can do is perform with the guy that you got you know what i mean it's different taking a fight as a 15 to 1 favorite against a guy that you know you're gonna kill or if if you coming in on the b side with a guy that's 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 not supposed to win marcos madonna is not supposed to be competitive with floyd mayweather and he was very competitive in that fight so you gotta give robert garcia his credit even though he didn't win the fight so when i saw anthony joshua in that second fight, I was thinking to myself, like, damn, he's fighting good. Wow, he's not doing bad. This yeah. fight's like even going into the yeah. to the later round. Usyk just has that little switch where he was able to go. But that wasn't Robert Garcia's fault at all. No. You know? I believe that Anthony has all the tools. I just, He needs to find it in here. Boxing is mental. It's very mental. And this is something that fighters, you know, it happens with fighters and I understand why it happens. When a fighter loses... It's very, very hard for a fighter to say to themselves, I wasn't just good enough. That guy's just a little better than me. You know how hard that is? You, yeah. You're going very, 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 very hear, rarely hear a fighter say that. So they have to compartmentalize the loss. And one of the ways they compartmentalize the loss is by changing trainers. Yeah. And I'm not saying every fighter, but I'm just telling you, I be around fighters all the time. They have to figure out a way why they lost. They have to mm-hmm. if, in order for them to go on emotionally and mentally. And oftentimes, the fall guy is, the, a trainer. is the guy that's in the gym with you every day. <laughs> and the guy, yeah. the guy that makes less money per hour than anybody. Because <laughs> right. you could train. A guy could fight once in a year, right? And you train him all year long. You don't get paid to the night of his fight. The guy that does more work than anybody more work than the managers the promoters don't nobody work as hard as the trainer but you got to figure it out and I, that's just something that i accept as a trainer i just understand how that works mm-hmm. i never take it personally i always kind of even kill i don't get too high i don't get too low about it but as if you talk to any trainer they understand the good ones though mm-hmm. fighters just do that they yeah. have to do that. They have to find some something or find, someone to blame. Yes, yes. They don't want to do. They don't want to blame themselves. Yes, it's unless, part of their psyche. Uh, yeah, unless they're man enough and have balls and enough it, to be like, I was just not that good enough. Yeah, and so, and that's hard for a fighter. I get it. Listen, even listen, a man, woman would be listen, the same. I listen, get it. Listen, I don't blame the fighters for that. Even though the trainers get a raw deal. I kind of understand where they're coming from. In order for them to go on mentally in this game, it's very, very difficult for them to do. They mm-hmm. have to blame somebody, you know, and it's just part of the game, you know, and trainers aren't protected that way. Yeah. You know, so you got to, you, 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 your emotions have to be numb when it comes down to that. 
Well, you know, you just mentioned uh, because there are some people that you have trained and the, the one that when we talk about this is J-Rock. Mm-hmm. You were with him for 10 years, which is a long time, mm-hmm. a very long time. And he had two losses under your tutelage and you're not with him anymore. And I'm not sure if he's going to be coming back or if he, he does. He came back to me. He's back with you? Yeah. Okay. And is he, when's he he's fighting? He's going to be fighting. Uh, I, I can't say it now. He's going to be okay. fighting a big fight for a title oh. in, in June. But he came back. Okay. He actually just won a fight in November of 2022. Under you? Yeah. Before, so how, was, was, was how like did that little, come back? Since those are very, very, very tough losses. And, uh, you know, it, a loss changes them. A loss changes, yeah. ev- like you said, their psyche. Well, he came back to you, obviously. Did you kind of say, are you sure? Is this the no, right time? Or I didn't say that. Um, a good friend of mine, Louis DeCubis, mm-hmm. tried to, uh, you know, he he just tried to mend the fence between us, you know, after he uh, lost to um, Jason Rosario. Yeah, Rosario, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm kind of a stubborn guy. You know, I don't really like... Uh, I, I I probably my personality outwardly probably don't show it, but I am probably a stubborn person, you know. Um, a little bit of a grudge holder, you know. So I'm, <laughs> typical man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said typical man. So um, you know, you know, Louis the Cubans, they wanted us to talk, you know, and um, he wanted us to talk, and then you know, Julian, you know, he was a man about it. He approached me. You know, I'm not going to get into what was said, but he said what he had to say. And I said what I had to say. And, you know, it was just like one of the things like, all right, let's just get back to work, man. You know, um, because I got a lot of love for all of my fighters, but I also treat them. There's a side of me that's I'm not that nice to them. It's boxing. It's boxing. You, you get, can't. Boxing is you not ballet. And, you know, Julian knows that about me. This is the kid that spent more time with me than anybody has. You know, he stayed in my house before. So he knows that I'm not that nice of a guy when I when when certain things are not going right. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, I just think the world of him as a fighter and if he's not giving me what I think he should be giving me I gotta be able to say that to him you know and at the end of the day a guy may not like it but they can respect it yes which is much more important than what you like yeah if you respect it and you know it's coming from a good place and he knows that if he don't know nothing else he knows how bad I wanted him to succeed we got back together been looking good in the gym he won an off tv fight on the David Morrell car in November of 2000, of last in, year, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, okay. He went on that car, and um, he's going to be fighting a big fight in June. Okay. And we're spending the block one more time. We're going to spend the block one more time and see what happens. And um, and if he's right, you know, I mean, that's a fighter that, you know, like, real recognize real it's a lot of guys that look at julian when he's right and be like damn man he do some nice shit like his skill level is really really high and we built that in the gym just you know just working throughout the years you know a lot of guys mimic a lot of the things that he do julian's a hell of a fighter but mentally you know sometimes sometimes you can get away from things that you was doing without you knowing it and that's when you gotta have a person around you that look at you in your eye and tell you the truth I tell guys the truth, no matter how bad it hurts them, I never disrespect them. But if you're not doing what I think you should be doing, I got to tell you. I'm saying this in the most humble way. We work so hard in the gym and you miss so much time from your family and things that you're doing. I go home every weekend to see my kids because mm-hmm. I don't want them to go that, that long without seeing me. Every weekend, I literally after training, I jump on the plane like 2.30 go back to Philly, leave five o'clock Monday morning to be back here for training. That's how important that is to me. But I'm missing so, today my daughter's birthday. You miss so much stuff. And I can't have no guy in the gym giving me half ass. I can't have a guy outside of the gym not doing the right thing. Not when I'm putting my time in. And especially their fighters, if they have family themselves, they're also missing. So they have to understand yes. both of you guys are sacrificing. Yes, the sacrifice And you is can't just be sacrificing for nothing. Yes, the sacrifice is too big. Mm-hmm. For, for me personally, I can't do it. And if I have a fighter that I can't tell the truth to, then he don't need me training him. 
Yeah, he's not ready. He's not ready for that. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm going to talk to him like a man, but I got to be able to tell you certain things. And, um, um, you know, that's just is what it is. But we back together. Uh, We talked out our differences. And um, I think he's going to be a world champion again. Oh, I can't wait. You know, he's he's fun to watch in the ring. And Mm. it's good to see you guys back in the ring and uh, together. So we'll find out. I'm like, who's headlining in June? (laughs) I'm like trying to figure out the fights. I was thinking maybe the Caleb plant Benavides, but that's in March. It's going to be a great fight. And that's our segue because that's why you're here in Vegas. You You are the new lead trainer for Caleb Plant. He had uh, his first loss against the the one and only Canelo. And I remember reading an article. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was from PBC or maybe one of your mailbags. I'm not sure. But <laughs> how you guys came together and uh, you wanted to make sure that you guys were the right fit. Because you, ju- you can't just be like, I want to be your trainer. And, sure, okay, yeah, I, I can make a couple million dollars. Why did he decide to finally move on to another trainer and i know he didn't blame his last trainer for his loss against one of the the pound for pound great what was your deciding factor of taking on plant his last trainer justin gamber was a good trainer Mm -hmm. i met him before i knew him too um caleb definitely didn't blame him for the loss you know um he definitely didn't i just think they had some issues and they decided to go their own little way Uh, he didn't do bad i thought caleb was doing all right and he just got caught he didn't do bad, but he could do better. Than we him. saw it in the last fight, which we're going to yeah, get into with uh, Durrell. Um, Jesus, Lord have mercy. Sorry. How we got <laughs> to the point, like like I said, the same way I know Derek, Caleb fighting on cars and stuff. Um, you just know him. You see him in the lobby. Yeah. You see him at the way. Hey, what's up, man? Good luck on your fight. Blah, 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 blah. We would just talk when he lost the fight. Um Wait, have you ever worked with Caleb before? Ever? Never. I just knew him. One day he oh. said, like, yo, man, I'm going I'm to come out to Philly and spar. I'm cool with a couple of guys out there who we never got a chance to do it. But I'm like, all right, come on. Let's we got plenty of work for you. And then um, I got contacted when he lost um, some important people and um, said, well, I think you guys would be a good fit. Miss J. So we're talking about uh, Caleb Plant, how yeah. the relationship came. You're looking fly, babe. Thank you. He reached out to me and... Um, he said, uh, Coach, um, he was honest. He said, I got about four guys, four different trainers that I'm looking at, and I'm working out with everybody, and I want you to come out here and, um, you know, let's, let's, let's work for about a week to see if we have chemistry. He said, when can you come out? And I'm like, all right, after my son's basketball season, I could come out. So I came out to Vegas in, like, April. We worked for, like, a week, and there was a lot of people, a lot of people, that had interest in it, wanted to come past the gym and see us work. And um, we did great, put on the show, man. It was, it was chemistry right away. And then he doubled back and came to Philly around July, twice. He came to Philly in July. So I kind of had a hunt, hint, hunch. I'm like, ah, he's he came courting back you. <laughs> he's coming back to me. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I know that people have recommended me for you. But I don't want you to pick me because of what somebody else said. It ain't going to hurt my feelings. I can't lose nothing I didn't have. It's not going to hurt my feelings. You're still going to be my man. It's not. It's not. Don't don't worry about that. I'm telling you, don't feel no pressure to pick me. This is the rest of your career. And you got more time behind you than you got in front of you. So you got to make the right choice. It's not always about who's the best and who knows the most. It's about sometimes. It's also about the chemistry. So he said, thank you, you know, because obviously it's a big life decision that he's making. And I told him, I, I knew he, I know he's going through a lot. The Canelo fight was a big fight. You don't ever want to lose. You got to make a decision. It's almost like you're getting a divorce. Like, you know what I mean? It's different. And he said, okay. And then when he came out, you know, he told me, he said, coach, I'm going to pick you. I told him what I need. I'm going to need a car. I need a home to live a, in. I need a nice little condo. I ain't shacking up with nobody. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not poor. I, I ain't shacking up with nobody. No fighters. No nothing. He started laughing, but I was dead serious, Cynthia. I said, I ain't doing that. I know I need a nice little spot close to the gym. I need a car to get. Are around. you in Summerlin? Yes. Okay. And um and I said and I said, listen, I gotta go home on the weekends after we train on Friday. I got to see my kids. I got two kids. They small. They can't go without seeing me for a long time. They get, you know, they start 
acting out with their mom. And, I, and, and he was like, cool. I said, so if you could deal with that, I could train you. He told me, he said, yo, I'm fighting Anthony Durrell. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, cool. I said, when are you fighting? So we finally got the date down. It was October 15th. And I came out here and we just started working, you know, and that was it. He runs a good camp, man. He's very professional. Mm -hmm. A very, very professional kid. I um, like the way he do things. Everything's on time. It's in order. You don't have any. Sometimes fighters, they mind is all scrambled and they just be. Everything is impromptu. With him, it's, everything is the same time, same schedule. So we really, really keep a tight schedule. Chemistry is a two-way street, though. Mm -hmm. So he was impressed with you. How did you know this was the right fit for you? Because you have options. You've trained um, champions. So when does it become right for you? I kind of knew it when I was, like, hitting the pads with him and working with him. I'm like, this kid's not bad. He can fight. Because looking at a kid, watching them fight, you watching them out of appreciation. You're just watching the fight. Working with him in the gym is totally different. Working with him in the gym, you like feel the body tight. You feel the impact that he punches. You feel the speed is different. So I'm looking at him like this kid's talented. He can fight. I was impressed with him when I worked with him out here, but I kind of knew it the second time he came to Philly. He came to Philly. He boxed J Rock. Mm -hmm. oh, I thought I, I put him in the ring, and our gym in Philly is hot. It's hot. Mm -hmm. Like there's no heat, no ventilation. Julian went into boxing. Caleb really wasn't in boxing shape. I told Caleb, you can't come over out here and don't work, man. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody wanted to box him, to be honest, but I let Julian box him. And uh, they boxed, they, they did real good. It was real sharp work. It wasn't nobody like overly forcing himself on the other one, but it was just real sharp work. I'm like, this kid's not bad. The last camp, it wasn't a perfect camp. It was a great camp, but it wasn't perfect. People from different places do things differently. And like out here, they don't box as much as we box back home. Mm. So when you don't box, you get a little bit rusty. So the first couple of weeks, he was he told me he was Caleb Caleb's probably too honest. He's a very candid, honest person. He was like, Man, I don't really spar that good at the beginning of the camp. Oh wow. He told me that. And I was like, damn, all right. So the first couple of weeks, you know, the floor work and stuff was sharp, but the first couple of weeks, you know, he he was rusty because he hadn't fought Canelo to the whole almost off a whole year. Mm -hmm. But man, about the third or fourth week at camp. I'm like, whoa. He gives that impression. You know, like I remember that. thinking back to the Canelo fight and how much he was talking to Canelo. Mm. And it, even in the ring, he was like, yeah, I'm pretty good, huh? <laughs> you know, he's a very, very honest person, almost yeah, honest he, to a fault. Yeah, in boxing, you probably don't want to be that honest. People <laughs> Especially try, during a fight. Yeah, you probably don't. People, <laughs> people are watching. They'll, they'll kind of like take it for a weakness and try to take advantage of you. And that's what they did. Yeah, and he's just an honest kid. And so when we was the beginning of the camp like I'm like okay let me wait for him to turn the corner and he told me to said, but after I start peeking after I get sharp you're gonna see you you're not wasting your time coach and man he was right about the fourth week of camp I was like god damn it was just a total transformation of what he was the first week I got out here I couldn't believe it what what was different just how saw? sharp he was how confident he was just like see Everybody tries to downgrade that Darrell fight. Let me tell you something. Anthony Darrell was ranked number five in the Ring Magazine. The Ring Magazine is the most substantial rankings of fighters in the world. Thank you very much. He didn't win the title until he was 30. Mm -hmm. That was a real fight. They got history of bad blood. Caleb had just got stopped by Canelo and he was off for a year. So people are like, oh, well, it's going to be easy. There's no such thing as that. You know what I mean? He got a world-class trainer in, in, in Sugar Hill. Anthony Darrell can fight. I'm not saying that Caleb wasn't supposed to win or making it seem like it was like a Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson thing, but that was a real fight coming off first career loss. You got stopped. You got injured. Like, it was a lot going into that fight. So, like, uh, like just in camp, like, his confidence, like, Everything is about confidence in boxing, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's some guys that aren't the most technically good guys, but they, like, really believe in, like, Carl Froch. Y'all know Carl Froch? Yeah, of course. Carl Froch is not, like, super Cobra. special technically, but, man, that dude got a lot of self-belief. He like, does. He, he, he got so much self-belief, he went to the Hall of Fame. You could look at a million guys at 168 and be like, he better than Carl Froch, but he can't beat him because of his self-belief. It's a different thing, yeah. And Caleb start, self-belief start coming out. And 
you know, man, we start having talks. I start telling him things about myself personally that I really don't share because I didn't want him to feel like he was alone mm. with some of the things that he was going to, going through in life. Um, you know, Caleb lost a child and a mother, mm -hmm. man, that's rough. You know, so I told him some things about myself and um, he just started just like, just flourishing. And like about the fifth or sixth weeks, he started knocking dudes out. Um, he had a different about, ferocity like, in that fight. Just looking like, at what he brought after in that yeah, Darrell he started, fight. I, and I told piece. him, I was like, I don't want you to be a slugger, man. But, you know, if you can get a guy out of here, get him out of here. You know what I mean? That's what you're paying him for. You know, like, 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 I don't want you to be a slugger. I kept repeating. I don't want to change his style. But you, you play around with these guys. You leave too much food on the table, you know. And he started turning the waters off. Talking about, like, Boom, out of there. He just start changing, you know what I mean? He start getting his swag back. He got his mojo back. You know, like, it's when the guy walk into the room in, in, in the club or the lounge. <laughs> you know that guy that's confident. Like, yeah, I can. Even if he can't, he think he can pull any woman in the room. You know what I mean? And the fighter got to have that kind of confidence in himself. Whether it's quiet or loud, he got to have it. And I just think his confidence just start building and building and building and building. And then it just reached a peak when we was in um, New York. And and I know Darrell was saying some things and I kept telling him like, just, you know, just do your talking in the ring. You're gonna be all right, don't worry about it. And I went to his room um, the night after the weigh-in, we went for a little walk and we was talking. And I said, man, I want to see some stuff from you, man. I said, you, you, you really cheat in the public, man. Cause the way you fight mm. in the gym is mm. different then the way you fight in real fights, I'm watching you fight in real fights and you're just really super conservative. I, I said, I want to see you just show you, show show yourself, man. You you a lot better than people realize. That that guy that was fighting Canelo, you did you did good, but you could do better than that. Like I'm, I kept it real with him. Like, you could fight better than that, man. And he was like, coach, I got you. And he had this weird, weird stare in his eyes. And I was like, I called up a couple of my buddies back home. I'm like, this boy going to rock. He gonna, he gonna rock. And when I was hitting the pads with him that night, a couple of my fighters from the gym, they came back there and he was like, God damn, that shit jumping. I mean, he was in the back. I felt it. I was just like, I was like, wow, man, he was just on fire. You know what I mean? That's just the way, that's just the term a, fire, a trainer used. Like he was just, he just peaked out. He was just on fire. He was sick and tired of people talking shit about him. He was sick and tired of hearing about the Canelo fight. He was sick and tired of, Anthony, I like Anthony, that's my guy, you know what I mean? Like, I know Anthony for a long, long time, you know what I mean? But Anthony, Anthony kept bothering him and kept poking him and kept fucking with him over and over again. And I'm like, okay. And that it was just building up and building up and he just, he exploded, you know what I mean? He went there, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you poke the bear, <laughs> that's what happens, man. Did you have an impression of him before you started working with him because you know, fans and myself included, Cynthia included, we've been, uh, enjoyed your words. You write about boxing. You study boxing. So even before you worked with him, did you have an impression of what type of fighter he was? Yes, I did. Yep. What I was did. it? A good all-around defensive fighter, a good jab, but kind of conservative, you know, really conservative about everything he does. You know, probably a little bit of a guy that's really maybe a little bit of an overthinker. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I thought that that's like sometimes the best fighters don't ones that don't think they just instinctive. And um, that was my, you know, impression of him, like a guy that's really careful, you know, and you are what you are. You know what I mean? Like you don't really want to you want to add and tweak things, but you don't really want to try to change a guy's DNA. Like you kind of are what you are, you know, but you can tweak little things. And I like again, I don't want them to be a Philly fighter fighting inside the box and inside and, you know, Matthew Saad Muhammad and all that kind of stuff. I don't want him to do all of that. But, I, but there are things that he could be doing that allow him to be better and get better results than he was getting. So with that Philly legacy now, bringing it all the way back to Philly, as you know, we interview a lot of women's boxers. Where do women fit into the Philly legacy of boxing? Are the women in the gym? Because, um, you know, there's that's a not a great question. You know, are they out there? What are they doing? There's a couple of women in the gym and our gym specifically. Unfortunately, I don't really see a lot of women because I train a little bit earlier in the day. 
So my guys are all pros. So we get in and we get out before the crowd comes. So I don't really know if there's a lot of women, but Boots Ennis. His, oh, that's the man that I was saying, the president, this is the of, the president of the Boots fan club. I didn't right want here. to say it, but uh, I agree with what you said from 147 to 154. No one will beat him. He's um His dad has a lot of women in their gym. Really? Oh, which is about, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. his dad. His dad's an excellent trainer. He has women in their gym. But our gym, personally, I don't see him. I go in in the morning, and I'm out of there by like 1.30, 2 o'clock. So I don't really see nobody. But when I do go to his gym, if we spar or whatever, they'll have like maybe like four or five good women, women's fighters in there. Oh, that's clean. But David Benavides, she was there live. We saw the press conference. I had a ball. You, she said that you, Larry, and uh, Caleb were very zen. And then we had the other side. It was just like reading off a phone. And I love you, David. I love you, Benavides. 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 But um, this is, they really don't like each other. We've all known this. Now, knowing the Caleb that you know now, as opposed to what you thought of before working with him, and what you're seeing of David, how do you think this fight will go? Because one seems very emotional and one seems non-emotional and you can't win a fight on emotions because things happen obviously you know uh i'm for caleb plant for the win of course but you know as a fight fan all the stuff that they were saying and things like that uh you know i met the benavidez before like you know we were pretty cordial like i've always been complimentary of them you know so a lot of things you know one thing I don't do is let somebody push my buttons, you know, like I may argue with like one of my friends over LeBron and Kobe, but I'm not arguing with no men out in the street. I don't I do that. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like once that kind of stuff happened, you know, you, you taking your concentration off, you could get anything could happen. You know, you could lose your life like yes. that. You know what I mean? So I don't play like that. Like I'm very careful about stuff like that. So, you know, once I saw, I, I knew that there was bad blood. Obviously, I'm coming on the team late. But once I saw that, I'm like, okay, you know, people asking me, like, is it real? Is it, I think I said, I think it's both. You know, um, David can say what he want. He's the fighter. He got to fight Caleb. So if he wants to call Caleb a bitch and a pussy and all that kind of stuff, you still got to prove it in, your, in the ring. Like, like that doesn't, like... I respect the fact that he's putting himself out there, guaranteeing the victory, guaranteeing the knockout. He's putting all the pressure on himself, so go ahead. If you're that good and you could predict the round and you're going to stop a guy in, I don't have nothing to say about that because he's fighting. The entourages and all that kind of stuff, to me, I don't like that because they don't have to get in the ring, Mm -hmm. and that's how things could get a little bit worse, you know what I mean, with the entourages and people saying stuff back and forth, and then it turns into something that is not supposed to be, you know, like, I, I don't like to glorify things like that, but I'm from a bad place and you can't be arguing and stuff like that. I've seen people lose their life like that. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. So I don't like the entourages and stuff, but as far as David and Caleb, they can say what they want. They can, they fighting each other. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I people, just love people, Caleb's reaction. People, <laughs> Caleb, He's so quiet. I think, I think their personalities actually mesh in a way where this they promotion compliment each other this promotion exactly. is really good my mom called me like yo i want to go to that fight <laughs> Them boys exactly. you know what i mean like that like they did a good job with the promotion the only thing that i don't like is like the members of david and them team yeah. screaming and hollering across. like that's a little much but you know people try to make a big deal like acting like i'm beefing with oh I'm 46 years old, man. I don't, I don't walk around with no beefs with nobody. I don't no, do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, nobody, I'm not going to let nobody play with me and disrespect me. But I don't do all of that. I carry myself in a way where nobody's going to play with me like that. So I don't have all of that kind of stuff. I've met Mr. Benavidez before. I met David before. We were, we, we were very cordial. After the big incidents and stuff, Jose Benavidez Sr., he walked up to me, and he was a man. You know, he apologized. So I respected that. You know, he said, that's not me, man. You know, this is a lot of stuff happened before us. And um, I thank you for taking the fight, you know, and it was it was good. You know, um, cameras, obviously, they don't catch that kind of yeah, stuff. But and then David, you know, he's like and, and, you know, coach, you know, 
it's, you know, we, we, we bump fist or shake hands, whatever one. And then, um, you know, and I just simply told him like, don't mess the money up, bro. That part. Like we, 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 we are here to fight, you know, and he kind of like smiled, real recognized, really smiled and was just like, and that was it. You know what I mean? I do think the beef is real, you know, um, but I also think you're selling the fight and it's, it's a lot of emotion. It's not something that I engage in. I don't really talk trash to people and, you know, fighters and all that kind of stuff. That's really not my style. I don't do that, you know, but they could do what they want. You know, I, I kind of just wish it was down to David and Caleb and not so much everybody else getting involved. But other than that, it's boxing. The more you talk, the more pressure you put on yourself. And great athletes put pressure on themselves. Now, let's just see, I see them deliver. You know what I mean? Like that, that does great for the fight. Like I, I, I could care less about that. I just don't want my guy getting all crazy and losing his focus. But all that kind of stuff, I'm like so blinded to that. Like it's just, it don't mean nothing to me. Like it really doesn't. I don't even, I don't watch nothing on YouTube or unless somebody send it to me, which aggravates me. I don't get into that. You we're know what I mean? We're gonna start sending it. To I know just, we're gonna start. We gonna hype it up. And it's not. It's I asked him about certain way. things. He's like, I don't watch it. We I didn't. I didn't get to ask him about Tank Garcia. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to talk to him about boots. Did, and then, <laughs> well, I can't, why can't you ask me that stuff? Well, because we're out of time. Can we have uh, like five more minutes? Okay, yes. Okay. Producer Travis. So here. I am the president of Boots Fan Club. He Run knows it. that. That's and I, we've talked about it. For, uh, and uh, we always say no one is, everyone is scared to fight him. I'm not going to say Errol and Terrence are scared to fight him because A, it's a low risk. I mean, it's high risk, low reward. But. He needs to fight. I mean, um, he's so good. And then, know, yeah, I, just remember, this is a topic we're going to talk about. Tank Garcia and then, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> just, just, just to let you know. Jeremiah uh, Ennis is an amazing fighter. Yes, he is. First time I seen him fight was the summer of 2014. I hired him for camp for Julian Williams. And I was like, whoa, this kid can go. I mean, it was like. And, and at that time, Julian was a fire-breathing savage. <laughs> and in his, I never forget it. I went to go pay him, and he was like, "You don't have to pay me. I just, I just want to spar the best." Wow! And every wow. single time I would go to pay him, he would say the same thing, and I would tell him the same thing: "Here, man, you earned it. You earned it, man. Don't, don't turn no money down. Take this." And I would always pay him when we was in camp for sparring. I never forget that. But he was a young kid at the time. He said, you don't have to pay me. He always would tell me that. I got a lot of respect for him and his dad. He's a tremendous fighter, man. The first time I ever heard his name was our buddy Brittany Rogers. Oh, long, long time ago she in New York. You know long what? time ago. She was like, you got to watch this kid, Boots. This was Br- Brittany, years ago. You know, Brittany Rogers was one of the first people with any type of voice that discovered Julian Williams. Really? Wow. She got a really good eye for talent in yes. 2009. She well, who is put, Brittany Rogers? Is she she used to work with uh, Russell Peltz. She's okay. a promoter. Oh, she's a promoter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. And she, uh, she came to me. And she was like, yo, that kid you got right there, he's going to be world champion. She said that in She told me that, that was the first time I heard she, of him. She's really, 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 she got a real good boxing eye. It's a shame she's not involved in the business Aww. as much as she used to be. She could mm-hmm. definitely be a talent scout. For sure. For sure. Okay, and then the last topic, Tank versus Garcia. <laughs> if that if that fight ever gets made, do you think, I know it will get made. It just won't happen April 15th. Like I said, it's my son's birthday, the second, so... Just push it off till what, summer. What, what, what's your son's birthday? Uh, April fifteenth is my my son's second birthday. Oh, I thought you said the second. My birthday is April second. Oh, uh, okay. Um, just you guys have that fight. What do I think the about summer. the fight? Yeah, what do you think of that fight? Because it's a uh, uh, it's it's an interesting fight. They both have power. One has a bigger, has a longer range, but Tank is a dog. Mm-hmm. And so is right. And I know you've got thoughts. You don't have to give us predictions, but how do you, you can, fight? But you can, you can but you can. Uh, how do you think this fight can play out? And do you think it will go all 12 Give rounds? us the daily bread. Go. Give us the daily bread in oh, your mailbag. First mail off, I think Joe Goosen, one of my favorite trainers. Yes. He's really good. His assistant trainer, a guy named Jonathan out there in LA, they're good. Mm-hmm. Joe Goosen's really good. I think Ryan Garcia is a tremendous offensive talent, but I also think that Tank Davis has really good trainers with him and Calvin Ford and Kenny Ellis. Mm -hmm. And I think that even though Ryan is experienced, I think that Tank 
has been on this stage a little bit more. He's a little older, mm-hmm. a little more seasoned in his ways. And when I watched them fight, Ryan makes more mistakes that will cost him than Tank makes that will cost him, if that makes mm. sense. Okay, that makes sense. And when you're dealing with a fight that's this close, that's going down to the small, small detail, you go with a guy who makes less mistakes. And to me, Tank Davis is special. Even though he's a little shorter, his reach is a little shorter, he seems to be able to hit you with a punch at certain points in the fight that you just can't see or can't recover from. And as good as Ryan is offensively, defensively, he makes some mistakes that I don't know if his chin can make up for. See, everybody makes mistakes, but you, you got to be able to take it. My guts is telling me that at some point in the fight that Tank is going to hit him with a shot that he don't see. I don't know why. It's just, it's just what I see. It's just what I feel in a great fight. Tank just has a really, really unique way of catching you with that money punch that you just never see coming. He's a tremendous two-fisted puncher, and he hits you with that shot, and it's hard to recover from it. And I think that um, might be losing. Ryan might be up on the scorecards, but at some point, my guts just tell me that he's going to hit him. He's not going to see it, and it's going to be... It's going to be out of here. What's the, I think it's a great fight, though. What's the narrative of that fight? Is it speed versus power? Is it technical versus this? You, you know, know, people what? like to box I think fights it's, a certain um, way. That's a great question. I think that fight got everything. Like, let's be honest. A lot of big pay-per-view fights, they take the model of the black versus Mexican. Right? Then you got the East Coast, the Baltimore urban kid. Versus the L.A. West Coast kid. You got that. You got Golden Boy versus PBC. Golden Boy is, it may not be right, but they're like, no, like we got the Mexican fighters. They got Oscar De La Hoya. PBC got Al Heyman, who's quote unquote for the black fighters. Not saying they don't sign blacks and Mexicans. I'm not saying that, but all of these things is coming in bout. So I think it's just, it's more than just their styles. It's like their way of life, the way they act. You know, Tank's the little black kid with the tattoos, with the hip-hop community. Ryan's the pretty boy that all of the chicks like. You know <laughs> what I mean? True. I think it's like, I think it's just a great, I, 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 the purest in me is, it's, it's so unfortunate that it's not for a real title. Mm, I mean, I how's know. a fight this big between undefeated guys? It's like Creed. At 136 pounds. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting there like, Jesus, God, the legacy of these guys, this fight, is so big and it's not even for a freaking title. I got tanked by a smidge. You hear that, bookies? You hear that? We're betting on this fight. I got. You guys can send us some Zell and um, you can send us money to bet. Uh, we'll bet on your bet. Yeah. yeah, we will bet and we will keep 100 Who do y'all like? <laughs> you know, it is a close fight. You know, I think of their styles and I think of all the times that I've seen Ryan with the hand speed and the rage and the, the length and all that. And it's just the sheer power. I'm always going to go with the power. So you like Ryan? No, I'm gonna go tank. with Tank. Okay. Yeah. I, Ryan can punch too, though. Yes, he can. I think yes, the only I, I the one thing that I've noticed about Ryan, and I don't know if he's he's worked on it, but I still see it. He leaves his chin up a lot, and that's mm-hmm. the one thing I could. I, you know I if if he gets caught, you, it um, could be, be by that. But yeah. I'm you know not funny? saying. You're right. Like, but some guys, the way they're built, the way their body is, that's how they see the fight. That's how he gets off. But his chin is up in the air. But that's but but Ryan has cat eyes. He can punch while you punching. Very few people can do that. He can actually release a punch while you're punching. He's a gifted offensive fighter. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think it's his defense. I think that when you're young like that and you haven't been knocked out or really hurt super bad, he did get knocked down by Luke Campbell. But you feel like you're invincible. You feel like you can do certain things. And if you watch Tank, Tank's very conservative. Mm-hmm. He don't throw a lot of punches. No. Yeah. He's very, very, he's very, very economical. He's like a minimalist. He just, he does just enough to put you in that spot and then boom, turn your water off. That's why boxers very will win at the very beginning. <laughs> yep. That's why with Roly, he was winning. Roly yep. was winning and then Roly just got laid out. He got knocked. Slept. Like, boom. Oh, yeah, he did get slept like a folded, what do you call it? A folded Folded chair? up like an Adirondack chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I wish we could keep this show going longer. I've but been in the airport since 1230. I know. It's all right, babe. But no, we had a great conversation. I could have driven here. You really could have. I could have driven here. We had a great conversation about uh, the heavyweights. He had really good things to say about the heavyweights. So we're going to have to, I'll, I'll have to recap it. We'll run it back. And then. Um, slap just, boxing. Yeah. Oh, we didn't get to talk about slap boxing. Do you watch slap boxing? No, I don't like that stuff. Man. But have you seen it? I've seen like glimpses. It's not a sport. It. It's just somebody. Who, I don't like it either. Might get their face or their ear broken, man. Or the, yeah, they or already have. They it's have. Re- you see their faces? It looks uh, like you can't like Quasimodo. <laughs> That's just you can't. It's defenseless. It's freaky, man. Sorry, you know, to the yeah. powers that be that own it. It's it's, it's not still a whack. sport. Yeah, it's, it's still whack. Yeah, yeah it's fuck just, that. You're gonna have to come back since you're still here in I Vegas. Know. Gianda can fully do the interview because I know she has other questions. Um, but uh, it was I good. just gotta let me know I'm here Monday through Friday. There you go. Yay. And his daughter's birthday's today. Oh, thank yeah, you for coming in. Thank you. Well, we're gonna have to wrap this episode up. At least the sexy eagle has landed my twin brain, uh, Stephen Breadman Edwards. Thank you for coming in, sharing all your thoughts, everything about Caleb Plant, everything about boxing. <laughs> we're gonna find out. Are your predictions right? Oh, he did some really good ones on uh, Anthony Joshua. A really good one, Anthony Joshua, mm, Usyk, and Fury. Stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna have clip clip that out because so many people are gonna have so much to say. Sorry, UK, you're gonna have a lot of shit to say about it. Right. Make sure you guys tune. In. Caleb Plant is taking on David Benavides, and the WBC interim. Defend it against one of them, then they can get elevated. So well, he's supposed to be fighting writers, so yeah, whoever this wins fight. this fight. Yeah. Gets the golden ticket to fight Canelo Alvarez. Yep. If Canelo Alvarez wins against John Ryder. So make sure you guys tune in March 25th. Uh, get your tickets here. It's at the MGM in Las Vegas. Chandra, any last minute thoughts? Uh, I'm glad you came by. I'm sorry I'm late. <laughs> it's all right. So I know it was a good show. It was a great show. And it, may, it was even better that since you came in and joined us. Yes, I'm happy to be here. All right, guys. Um, another one is The Can. Make sure you guys tune in for all of our episodes on YouTube. And go, like, share, subscribe. And also on our socials. I am Cynthia Conte. And I am the late bird, Giandra LaBeouf. (laughs) See you guys at the fights. Bye, guys.